appreciate the words of that video. Um, I need that. And in fact, um, the video and just this week has revealed something about me uh, being very transparent with you that uh, just it seems like in these recent years, the Lord's been really pressing upon me personally. I'll just say it that way, me personally about this whole issue of giving thanks. And, and I'm going to confess with you about it. As the Lord's been pressing into me, I'm a pretty slow learner on it. I think I'm a pretty slow learner with it. And in fact, I think it's fair. I've noted down here that I summarize it this way. I think my thankfulness is pretty unspectacularly normal. Unspectacularly normal. And I'm just going to maybe assume that I'm not out, that, uh, out of the norm on that. Um, I think it's something that we have a, we struggle with. And the fact that I say that my giving thanks is pretty normal uh, actually bothers me. Um, It bothers me because I've never been a guy who likes normal. Uh, I don't like normal because normal is typical and typical is boring and boring is normal. And uh, I don't know. I just don't want to be boring, and I don't want to be typical, and I don't want to be normal. Nothing's wrong with normal. Normal's okay. We all need normal. In fact, you've probably had a non-normal week, and there's times to where you are like, I look forward to some normal, right? And so normal is okay, and normal is even good, but I'll say it this way. If it's always normal, that's typical and boring and normal. And um, in fact, even if we put in some moments of abnormal, it still sounds fairly normal. Um, Even abnormal is within the realm of normal. And so today, I want to have us go to a text that presses us outside of normal, and especially related to this subject of giving thanks, because he's bigger than our normal. He's bigger than our normal. Open your Bibles to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Normal thankfulness to the Lord needs some moments of extravagant thankfulness. What am I talking about? Well, in the text here we come in John chapter 12, we're going to meet a woman named Mary. Now, this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is a different Mary. This is Mary. This is Lazarus' sister. And you are probably familiar with the person of Lazarus. Uh, The event we're going to be at is just three verses. I'm going to be keying in on chapter 12, but uh, the three verses of chapter 12 are set up by the context of chapter 11. So I do want to spend a few moments in chapter 11. So maybe turn a page over to uh, chapter 11, verse 1, and uh, it's kind of all eyes are on Lazarus in chapter 11 here. And in fact, you look here at verse 1 of chapter 11, and it says, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, Uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Uh, The text begins to tell a story then. I'm just going to kind of summarize it here in chapter 11. What takes place is Lazarus is very sick. Uh, Lazarus is not a youth. He's an adult man, and he gets very sick to the point to where they think he's going to die. And obviously, this puts a lot of strain on a family. I can't even imagine back in that day where you don't have a hospital to go to, and the family's taking care of their brother, and so that includes Mary and Martha and and the whole family with it. Well, they end up sending somebody to Jesus because they know Jesus. Jesus is, we'll kind of say, a family friend of theirs. 
And so they send a, a someone to Jesus to tell him about the situation. You see in verse 4 of chapter 11, Jesus says to the, to the messenger, he said, Lazarus' illness does not lead to death. Okay, now pause. Because if you happen to know the story of Lazarus, and there's part of it where I, if you don't know the story of Lazarus, fantastic today. But if you know the story of Lazarus, you know something about him that what Jesus just said is a bit unusual because Lazarus hasn't died. Lazarus is sick. And yet Jesus says here in this that Lazarus's illness does not lead to death. That's kind of uh, odd. And all he goes on to say, it is for the glory of God. Now that's even odd, odder, uh, abnormal odd. And uh, in that, because when we think of getting sick, we don't think of to the glory of God uh, in that. But this case, that is the situation. By the way, if you're sick, to the glory of God. <laughs> okay? Um, so here, this, here's this man in this. He's saying that it is all to the glory of God. Well, what a perspective on the sovereignty of God. And by the way, he adds in verse 4, so that the Son of God, he's talking referring to himself, the Messiah, the Son of God, that's referring to the equal one, the same one, the representative of, the second person of the Trinity, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Ultimately, Lazarus's sickness is going to result in the fame and the glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, you don't expect someone to be saying all that when you deliver a message. But that's the message he delivers, and apparently the messenger goes back. Uh, Jesus delays then in his response, on purpose. If you were to read through the text, Jesus delays in him going back. In fact, he waits for two days before he begins heading back. Uh, now, why would he do that? I mean, wh- why, if you have someone really close to you, would you delay on purpose? It wasn't like we know anything that was going on that he was forced to stay where he was. He, he basically says, I'm going to wait. Why would he do that? Well, I think we're going to see here in just a little bit. So what ends up happening then is Lazarus dies. Now, wait a second. Lazarus dies and Jesus said in verse 4 that his illness will not lead to death, but Lazarus dies. Like, what's going on with this whole situation here? Well, we'll keep moving through. Actually, uh, what we find in verse 17 is that it says, now when Jesus came, so Jesus does arrive, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? Four days. Four days. That's quite a few days. By the way, that's also a very important piece of information to know. And it's important to know that because, uh, by the way, how long was Jesus in the grave before he rose? Three days, days, that's right. Three days. And um, in that, it's, it's important to know as well. Because in that day, the common thought was that when a person died, that their spirit kind of hovered around the body for right about three days. And then, uh, and then it left. And the point is both with Jesus' resurrection and with Lazarus here, it is like this. It is three days or more. That means that the person is dead, dead. Okay, we don't get that, but in their mindset, after three days, going on to four days or more, that person was not just dead, but their, like their spirit hovering around was gone. They were dead, dead. Lazarus is dead, dead. Why would Jesus wait for three or four days to go raise Lazarus? Oh, I just gave it away, didn't I? Why would he wait that long to go raise Lazarus from the dead? 
to make sure everyone in their mind was thinking, he is dead, dead. It's really cool how it builds out. Verse 32, let's pick up chapter 11. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, uh, Martha comes out and meet, I'm sorry, I missed this, verse 21. Martha comes outside the village to meet Jesus, verse 21. And Martha says to Jesus, uh, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, uh, my brother would not have died. By the way, that tells you something here. Now, remember what happened. They send a messenger to Jesus. Jesus says, hey, he's, his, his illness is not going to lead to his death. He then comes back, the messenger, we assume here, comes back to tell the family because it's been like four days. And he comes back and he tells the family the situation. I'm assuming here, and I'm being careful not to take it too far, but I'm assuming a messenger goes, a messenger comes back and tells them what he learned about it. And he comes back and he tells them, Jesus said that this illness will not lead to death, that this is actually for God's glory. And then he dies. And you're over here and you're going, what? I, I thought that he said that he wasn't going to die, but excuse me, but he died. Most likely over here, they're having a hard time with this. Have you ever had those times where you're like with the Lord, like, Lord, what are you doing? I'm not quite understanding what's happening here. In fact, it almost seems contrary to what you said. And so here, Martha greets him in verse 21. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. I actually think you see some frustration in her mind on what's going on here, and we could understand why. I thought you were going to be here, and you would not have died. And she says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask, the Father will give you. Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And the text in there tells us that she's thinking, well, yeah, he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the end. But that wasn't what Jesus was talking about. So Martha goes, get her sister. Now verse 32 Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was, still outside of the city, and saw him, she fell at his feet. By the way, that says a whole lot. It's not like she tripped. She fell at his feet. She comes before him and falls before him down at his feet. Stuff's going on in their life. They're hurting and saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's frustrated. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, one of the most famous verses in the Bible because there's only two words and everybody's memorized the verse. Jesus wept. We'll pause on this here for just a second because I actually, you know... And it's, it's more than two words. There's a lot of meaning here. What's going on here? There's, there's kind of some talk about, you know, Jesus may have wept because he's just sad in the fact that a friend of his died. I actually don't think that's the case at all. In fact, that whole argument doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, Jesus is the one who understands everything that goes on. He's even knowing what's about to happen. In fact, he knew for days what is going to be happening out of all this. And so the whole idea that Jesus is weeping like, like those who have no hope makes no sense in all of this. I won't go beyond that, but I just don't think that's what's happening here at all. So why was Jesus weeping? 
Well, look at the movement of the text and what it's talking about. It's telling about the scene on what's taking place. And so it's telling us the details of this, that Mary comes, falls at his feet. She's frustrated. We've already learned that Martha's was frustrated with them. And then now it even right here in this context, it's telling Jesus sees her weeping. And then it's almost like she, he's glancing up and he's seeing everybody else weeping. And he's picking up the whole scene on what's taking place. Now, you need to know this because kind of doesn't jive well with, with our culture. But in that day, there were actually people who were professional mourners who would come to some of the funerals and, and they would actually pay them to come and mourn. And, and that sounds so contrived and so almost like a mockery, but that wasn't the thing of it. It was actually for them in this period of time a way of helping them deal with the whole thing and, and people leading in the mourning and the weeping along with them. And the, I don't know whether that was what was going on, but we know for sure the whole of this is that there are people there that are weeping and Jesus sees this woman who just lost her brother weeping and he looks up and he, and he sees all these people weeping and crying as though, oh, we've just lost. And, and, and here's the second person of the Trinity that knows everything from beginning to end. Everything is going on and I think he's taking this whole scene in and he's just like, this is so sad. This is like sheep without a shepherd. People without a purpose. Ones who are weeping and, and, and something that they don't fully understand all that's going on. I don't think this is like you knuckleheads, come on. I think he's weeping out of pure love and pure concern and sadness for how sad is this. But I just want to say this. I love that. And that is my Savior. It's not this kind of thing where it's like, you dorks, when are you ever going to get this? I mean, don't you understand that we're going to see each other? Instead, he takes the whole thing in and he's like, this is just so sad, these poor, these poor people. And by the way, he is like six days away from hanging on the cross. For all these ones. You cannot tell me that that is not intimately in his mind right now as he sees all that is taking place, knowing that in the coming week, a major event is to take place to love on all these hurting people. That's so cool. Jesus wept. Don't read by that too fast. In verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again. Love that. That's my savior. You came to the tomb. It was a cave. And the stone lay against it. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. <laughs> uh, You've got to understand the movement of this. Um, so Jesus says, take the stone away. By the way, that's not the kind of thing where it's like, okay, let's all move it. I mean, this is the kind of thing where in this, these are placed carefully and how everything is done. And so it's not going to be like 30 seconds and the stone is moved. It's not like moving a vase on a table from one table to the other table. And so they get it. So I don't know how long this takes. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I don't know. But this is what's taking place. And even Martha in it, in making this comment, yeah, but, but, but wait a second, you move the stone.
stone. He's been dead for four days. And the stench of that is going to come out. And by the way, that, 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 I, I don't think she's even talking about necessarily the annoyance of the smell. I think there's an aspect in this that, 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 that can make sense from the standpoint of, it's like, please don't remove that and let the smell of my dead brother come upon us. I mean, there's an aspect of that. It's kind of like, no, 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 that's just not right. I can't handle this. And, um, but he asked for the stone to be moved, verse 40. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I love that. Jesus knows that in just a little bit, the glory of God is going to show. Love that. Verse 41, so they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. I think this is awesome, by the way. It's kind of like this scene where he's telling people, hey, move the stone. And then he's making a comment. He's looking up and he's making a comment out loud for obviously before God the Father, but for everyone else to hear. I'm speaking right now, and I'm doing all this stuff so all these people can see this. (laughs) I love that. In other words, it's like, hey, everybody who's here, something's about to happen. Pay attention. And he says it out loud, looking to the heavens, verse 43, and when he had said these things, then he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. No. With a loud voice, like, Lazarus, come out. Why did he say it that way? I mean, in this, I'm just kind of working the scene here. And it's like, if he was saying it to the people, he could just say it the way he just said the other thing. But now we have in a loud voice. It's like he's saying it in such a way that the voice will travel into the cave, down to this guy laying in there, wrapped up. I actually think Jesus is saying this in the kind of a way that in other words, I'm speaking in a volume so the guy laying dead in there will be able to hear hear it and is all wrapped up mummification and so he speaks loudly Lazarus come out now if you're there what are you thinking like who let the kook in the room verse 44 and the man who had died Lazarus came out His hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Few things on this. So he comes out. I am freaking right at the moment if I am there. I don't know about you. You may say, you know, I'm a manly man. I'm telling you, you have just wet yourself. Okay, it's official. This is not just because you know the story of it. If you know the story of it, you have to understand this guy has been dead, dead for four days. And this guy says to move the stone and he speaks and uh, it comes out. And you are like, I don't even know. I mean, what physical action do I even show to try and express that? (laughs) And he comes out and then Jesus says, unwrap him. Now, I don't know who you are in this room on what you would do at that moment. Just my nature would be like, I'm touching him. (laughs) 
You know, others of you would be like, I, you you medical folks, I want to unwrap this man. I am like hands all over this thing coming on. And he's unwrapping. And what taking place as he's being unwrapped? I mean, literally, what in the moment is happening? Is he blinking his eyes? When does he speak? Because when he speaks, then I've I've wet myself. (laughs) Okay. I mean, this is such a moment. Don't think this is just like, oh, come out. Isn't that cool? There is so much happening in this, in the emotional movement of everything that's taking place. This dead guy just walked out of a tomb. And then in it, you're unwrapping. And then what? I mean, then what? And then, yeah, bath. And then a day goes by. I mean, you're still just exuberant about this. But, but, but I'm wanting to talk to this guy. Movie producers and, and book writers, they're all wanting to talk to this guy and get deals. Um, but I just want to talk, like, did you see the light? <laughs> you know, like, what was going on during the four days? And, uh, is that really you? And then another day goes by and, I don't know how many days it takes, but at some point in time, it goes normal again, right? And nothing's wrong with normal, because I don't think every moment of every day should be like that. (laughs) But there's something about when God has done a grand work that over time, things just get normal again. And... That's okay to a point, but I want to lead us to, from eyes on Lazarus to eyes on Mary, because for one person, for this woman, it wasn't done yet. It wasn't done. Look at verse 55, chapter 11. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, what do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, that he should let them know so that they might arrest him. I'm just reading this so that we understand some of the context we're about to move into. This is Passover week. This is in the book of John. This is the third Passover that's been mentioned. That means there's been three years taking place where Somewhere right around the year 30 AD-ish. It's Passover week. All Israel is abuzz. The town of Jerusalem has gone from anywhere from 100,000 to 200,000 population on a normal time during the year to a million to two million uh, all gathering around the suburbs. It's kind of like Indianapolis is abuzz and, and we're Bethany and Avon, Brownsburg, Plainfield, kind of on the suburbs of it. And people are staying out in here around this. And, and, and it's politically, it's just a crazy moment. Religiously, it's a crazy moment because it's Passover and, and everything that's going on. And uh, the whole place is abuzz. And by the way, uh, just within a matter of days, Jesus is going to be crucified and he's going to be risen from the dead as well. But It moves into Saturday evening. The Sabbath day has just ended and a dinner party is about to be held as we'll see here. And by the way, Lazarus is there. How cool is that? I mean, like I want him at my party. (laughs) Definite A-lister at this moment. Uh, Jesus is there at at this uh, special evening. Others are there. 
And the event happens in the town of Bethany. It's just a couple miles east of Jerusalem. Again, people would be all over. It's Passover. And now all eyes on Mary. Chapter 12, verse 1. Six days before the Passover of the Passover week, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. I love that. Martha is, is a servant. We see that other place in, in, in scriptures. And, you know, we, we just came through Thanksgiving. I don't know if you had the big feast or a table or how many people you had with you. And maybe you were the one who were key involved in cooking the meal, preparing the meal, and, and serving the meal. And, and I just want to say thank you to all of you who, who were a part of that. And that, that's what Mary was doing. This is like a Thanksgiving meal. And she's coming out and preparing all that and how sweet of that. And also Lazarus was one that was reclining at the table that's just super cool. And, and Jesus is there. Um, Martha is serving and Lazarus is, and Jesus are reclining. And, and all of a sudden, Mary, and just this one verse we're going to key in on here for a few. Verse 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I think we could all agree that this is not a normal thing to do. I mean, you're, you're having a Thanksgiving party and all of a sudden, I, I doubt anyone in your home like ran in and did anything near like this, right? I don't know if cool if that happened for you at your place, but I doubt anything like that took place. This is not a normal event. I want to make three comments about this uh, items on it. Number one, note Mary's act of giving thanks was personal. This is a very personal act. I say that because this personal act of thanksgiving, I think clearly is just Mary's idea. This comes from her. I'm one who is always intrigued by very creative people. People that have an ability to see outside of the norm and some of the arts and skills and science things and, and folks and who, who are just in a whole different realm, I, I, I just, I, I'm always intrigued by. And here, this is something that Mary on her own comes up with this. This isn't something she read in a liturgy book on what you're supposed to do when you're really thankful. I also want to say it this way, and I mean this for today, because it has direct application for today. This wasn't like her pastor said, you know what, you need to go do something, and this is what you should do from the sermon the Sunday before. And now she's carrying out her duty that she was called to do. This is completely from her own thinking on what is, and I love that. Not force, not a check off, not, not even just an accountability fact. Nothing's wrong with any of any of those things, being pressed into some things. But this is something she's come up with. All on her own, it's so personal. It's personal also because it's her perfume, it's her ointment. The text tells us that. I mean, this is hers. And she gives it and pours it out on him. It also, it's personal because it's at Jesus' feet. It's not a handshake, it's, it's not a hug, it's, it's not uh, uh, even a spoken card. It, it's... It's at his feet. And also, the last item for me, it's her own hair. I actually, for me, this is probably my favorite part of this whole thing. I mean, I don't have the hair to do that. <laughs> but even if I did, 
I wouldn't think of doing that. Now, I don't know, ladies, for you, maybe you, maybe you do, but uh, I'm going to just kind of show here. Oh, Robbie, you're going to help me here. Just stay seated. And uh, I just want to show how personal this was. So this woman comes in, and, and she takes this oil. We'll talk about that in a bit. Put, pours it on his feet. and I mean, it, it, it's not like, you know, hey, thanks, man. Uh, by the way, you guys doing all right? You married? Like this married thing? Yeah, yeah awesome. Okay, uh, sorry. And uh, <laughs> nothing like that. But what? It's like this. It's, it's not even there. And like, I could use my, yeah, I know you most can't see it, but I could use like my coat jacket or she could be using her dress to be able to write. And that's normally what I would think to do. But I'm telling you, when you get down like this and you are taking your hair, even if you have longer hair and you are wiping someone's feet with that, that is intimate. And in this whole, I just, who would have thought of that? I mean, who uses their hair to wipe? And yet, this is, a, we'll talk about it in just a moment. This is, this is an ointment. This is a perfume in it to where I, I, I don't know. I'm being careful here, but at the same time, I wonder if in this, she did that because part of it is she wanted to take that whole experience of Thanksgiving with her for a few more days. I mean, think about it. If you have the hair like that and you're wiping it in the hair and it's this beautiful smell and, and it's not only like at that moment, but you're walking away, not just like to smell good for the guys or smell good in places you go to, but just to remember that moment. I don't know if that's the case, but there's part of it, whether by purpose or by accident, that certainly happened. I, I will bet you she delayed a shower for normal length just to hang that in her hair for a while longer. To remember that moment and the beauty of it, it was personal. Second, it was public. It was public. This wasn't prior to the party. This wasn't after the party. This is during it. And there's a sense to where it's like, now. Like, now. I know you got a thing going, but I got a moment here. And it's public in this. It's it's during while they're all around. And, and I think the wonderful thing about this is you get no sense in this that she's trying to be a drama queen. Okay, there's no sense on this. Like she's coming in and waited for the moment where it's grand public before everybody so that everybody can be awed by her. I don't think that's what's happening at all here. I think somehow there's some intensity here where it's like, now, I'm going to do this now. And she comes in and there is a publicness. It's like, who cares what people think? Who cares what they walk away and say? I don't give a rip about that. This is a moment that has to happen. It's that big. It's that abnormal. It was personal and it was public. And the last one, it was extravagant. Extravagant. I put it this way. It was extravagant but appropriate. It, it was appropriately fitting. It wasn't, again, a moment for everybody to see her in that kind of extravagant, but the, the text tells us some information. Like, honestly, you could read this and go, who cares how much amount? 
It's a pound that's actually for us about three quarters of a pound of this in the weight of it. Who cares about that? And who cares what it costs in this? No, no, no. But the text tells us those details. In fact, a little bit later, the what uppers are going on with this thing, pushing back on it. And, and because of part of this, and, and yet part of this allows us to understand the extravagance of what she's doing. She hasn't gone on and grabbed a hold of her Walmart Target stuff and just what was left over and like no small, you know, and it's beautiful. And, and with the Lord, take that? Absolutely the Lord would take that. But this happened to be a moment, my goodness, her brother was dead and now he's alive. Like that deserves more than Dairy Queen coupons. Okay? And she's like going for the whole gun-ho here. And we're told how much it is later in verse 5 where we're told that this ointment is 300 denarii. In that day, a denarii was one day's wage. So let's just kind of round number it and say it this way. It's 300 denarii. That's a year's income. A year. A year's a pretty long time and a year of income is a big amount. No matter what amount of money that is for you. Whether that's a six-figure a year, whether that's a five-figure a year, a four-figure year, whatever you're earning in a year is a lot. And don't give me this idea that, well, she was really wealthy and so who cares what, no, that's baloney. Listen, even if you're really wealthy, spending a year of what is a normal wage is a lot of money. And here it's in perfume, it's in this it's in this nard, we're told. It's this oil from the root of a nard plant. This was made in India back in that day. And so its purity and its quantity and its origin of it makes this an extravagantly expensive item that she has here. And so she brings it, this whole year of wages, and she pours it out on his feet and wipes it in. And there's no sign on her part whatsoever where she's like, Oh man, I just gave away the car. There's no sign of, I have, maybe that was the wrong thing to do. Maybe that was a poor use of my finances. We just, this is too big of a deal to care about any of that, and it deserves the best. And she pours it out and puts herself in on it, fully, in every way possible. Friends, this is not the norm. This is not to be normal Thanksgiving, okay? What is not coming out of this today is saying every day should look like that, okay? (laughs) Hear from me very clearly. That is not the point. The point is, are there any moments anything like this of extravagance, of thankfulness poured out to the Lord in your life? I'm not talking cash. I'm not talking we're moving into a building fund thing and this is a setup. None of that. I don't know what it is. But think about it. If you know Jesus Christ is your savior, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we all start separated from the Lord. But if you've come to the place where the Bible says as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God and come and receive Christ as your savior, driven the stake in the ground, receive him as your savior. And like, I'm done with this. I'm headed that direction with the Lord. You need to know this. You, from scriptures, have been redeemed from a ticket to eternal hell. And I don't get a thrill out of talking like that. Listen, you have been redeemed from that. 
to relationship with God forever. I don't like to talk about that, but I love talking about that. And some of it is, is sometimes have we lost what has happened? And our normal thankfulness is just normal thankfulness. And it's like, where is the pieces of like extravagant, personal, I don't know, maybe even public. I started out by telling you that I don't think I do very well at this. And I finish by telling you, I don't think I do very well at this. And it needs to change. Both in my normal and in the periodic extravagant. And I'm just going to guess it needs to for some of you as well. Because normal is okay. But when it's all just normal, you walk out of a text like this and you kind of go, what's with that? Really? What's with that? That's just normal. Here's one of the coolest things about the whole thing. Jesus lets the whole thing go down. There, there could have been at any moment where Jesus is like, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. This is awkward. This isn't the right venue. This isn't the right place. This isn't the right time. He could have stopped that at any time. He could have stopped her from seeing what's going on with this because Judas, as the text goes on, Judas picks up exactly what it is. He's seeing dollar bills all over this thing. And so Jesus obviously would have known what was going on here. And he could have stopped that. No, 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 stop that, gal. Stop that, gal. No, you need to take that, give it to the poor. He could have done that, just like Judas said. And actually, I don't think there's anything wrong with what Judas said. There's a heart issue going on with Judas. But in it, Jesus is letting it happen. And he's letting this take place in the whole venue, in the moment, in the extravagance, in the personalness of it. And she doesn't even realize what's going on in her doing this, uh, that he is about to be crucified and buried within the week. And he then later in the text talks about it. This is so symbolic of what's about to take place in his own life here. And he lets it all go down. I don't see him pushing back going, that's, you know, that's a little bit odd, you know, getting your face in my feet. That's a little weird. I'm a little, yeah. None of that. And here's some 2,000 years later. We talk about it. And actually, I think this event will go down in the Hall of Fame of Eternity. And I'm just asking today, not as any kind of guilt thing, but last Sunday I said, you know what, these next 41 days, which are now 34 days left till December 31st, I said, how about making these next, now 34 days, kind of days where, where we're, we're walking through the holidays, realizing we're going to have some times of joy, we're going to have some times of sadness, we're going to have some times of uh, expectations met, we're going to have some times of expectations not met. But how about if we go through the whole holiday season where Jesus is bigger than all of it and work on that? And I, I would just want to add one thing. How about if in the next 34 days you consider in some way, and I don't know what that is, what that might be for you, some expression of extravagant thankfulness to the Lord. I think the Lord would love that.
I think the Lord would receive that well. And I think we need to get out of our norm. Lord, I just ask right now as our worship team comes and gets set here that we would just take a time here of thankfulness. Actually, Lord, I'm going to call this moment right now kind of a time of normal thankfulness. And So would you just take a time right now and just maybe bow your head and, and just take it as an opportunity of normal thankfulness unto the Lord and do that now. And Maybe even in this, maybe you might consider here, Lord, I'd love to do something extravagant just to express my gratitude and my thankfulness and my worship for you in these coming 34 days. And Friends, I have no idea what that would be and I don't even want to tell you what that would be because I don't want to make this a mechanical thing. Instead, something that's personal, extravagant, and maybe even in some way public. Extravagant works of the Lord deserve extravagant thank yous. So let's just take some quiet time and some normal thankfulness and the worship team will begin to sing over us and when we're ready, just join in.